Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Hello and welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with host Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. So Brett, there is something that you've been keeping from us, and I'd like to explore it a little bit. Apparently, before you did this fancy schmancy financial business dealings, you were a real life rocket scientist. I do have to admit that I am the butt of most jokes at parties. Um, I started out my academic career in aerospace engineering and actually worked and interned at NASA. And during that time, I got a chance to work in the supersonic physics branch of NASA's research center at what the time was called Lewis Research Center in Cleveland. And after working there, I rapidly changed my major to mechanical engineering because there was no way that I was going to get a job as a rocket scientist at the time. And uh, so I actually launched my career in an industrial uh, manufacturing kind of background. So that is how I got to be here to some extent. And I was fortunate enough that that employer was willing to pay for me to get my MBA at just a little tiny school in North Carolina called Duke University. So that's where I transitioned into the financial services industry from manufacturing oh so many moons ago. Oh, wow. So like really anything other truly is not like Ryan. It's not rocket science. This is definitely not rocket science, but I will I will admit that I've used most of the um, what I call mathematical principles that I learned during my engineering days actually come into play quite a bit in how we evaluate and look at the solutions that we develop for our clients. So I like to say that it does take a rocket scientist to do this. (laughs) Okay. So we were discussing a little bit about the movie Top Gun, and I wanted to hear the explanation. You told me something fascinating just a few moments ago. Could you please tell me again? Actually, the research project that I did while I was working at NASA was actually directly related to the scene, unfortunately, where one of our favorite characters of all movie history, uh, Goose, passes away because uh, they talk about the flat spin that was created when they went through the jet wash. Uh, And those were all the languages. I've watched that movie a lot this year because of Top Gun Maverick. I think I've seen it three times already. Um, so I watched the original Top Gun. So that was actually my project was we were actually evaluating supersonic commercial flight right so where we put a lot of people on a plane and go supersonic kind of what we used to think of as the concord that used to fly from paris to the united states it could do it super fast um the issue when you do that though is that uh, the engines have to be able to operate um and uh, a supersonic engine the way it functions it needs a certain pressure level and uh in that movie, the pressure changed very rapidly, which caused the engine to stall, which then one engine's going full speed, the other engine's not moving at all. So what happens to the plane is it starts to rotate 
basically in a flat spin. If you can think of it like a zero turning radius mower, where one wheel is stationary and the other wheel is going full speed and you spin in a circle, that wouldn't be so great if we had about 350 passengers on a jet plane. And obviously it didn't work out too well for Goose either in the movie. So, but that was the project that I had, uh, was uh, studying that in a supersonic wind tunnel many years ago. So we still do not have supersonic commercial flights. Um, so they haven't figured it out yet. Not yet. Yeah. You'd think they would have by now. So Maverick thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, that's a great movie. Great I love movie. that movie. Uh, because it's just a, it's just a movie. It's about, uh, you know, it's simple. We're not trying to, not trying to solve world hunger. They're just trying to have jets that go fast and shoot at stuff, right? Simple, simple plot line. Not very sophisticated. That's right up my alley. <laughs> you do too much thinking at work. You don't, I don't want to need think deep thoughts when I go to the movies. I just want to be yeah. entertained. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, business, about your practice, and a little bit about your business philosophy. Absolutely. So let's just start with, you know, kind of, how we came to be artisan and why we say handcrafted for a confident retirement. So really think that's, it's important to understand that those, those words were not selected by accident. They were very purposeful because what we really do believe is that each person and family that we meet really does need a custom solution. And, and what we mean by that is that we really try to get to know that particular client. We try to understand their circumstances and really get to know them over time. This isn't like a fast relationship. It's a time relationship because one of the key things that we think in our planning process is time. In fact, it's the first thing that we discuss with our clients used to a lot of people in the industry use fancy words like time horizon, but we just think about time because we think that most people think in terms of days, weeks, months, years. And so, so we think about time and we can start to actually craft that plan directly for the time of their life that they're in now. And then we start to think about that next phase of time, what time, what life looks like in a few years down the road. And by helping them visualize that and start to understand that, we really can start to really hone in on their specific needs and develop solutions that really do meet their needs and their needs uniquely. And that's really, uh, really the cornerstone of everything that we do is get to know the client in such a way that we can really help them understand even more clearly what it is that they need so that we can deliver that for them. When do you suggest that people come to see you? Like at what point in their career or what have you? Well, I, I think that that does vary. Um, and that's where we try to not be what I call like formulaic. We don't try to think that one size fits everybody. But what we do find most of the time is that people really need to get focused on this process about a minimum of five years before they're retiring. Um, and the reason why is, is really some math stuff. And I don't want to get too deep into the math in, in a podcast. But the reality is that what you're really doing is you start to transition from accumulating wealth, which is what most people are doing while they're working, to actually distributing some of that wealth and actually receiving income from the things that you've saved. That transition period, if we do it well, takes about four, five, six years to start to make that transition. And so if we can start to really get to know that client in advance of that 
that decision point. Like, uh, you know, early in my career, I was working with a group of people and they would come to me and their jobs were being eliminated. So they were having to make decisions within 90 days. It was almost impossible for me to get to know them well enough in 90 days to give them really great long-term advice that's going to last them 30 years into the future, right? Because I didn't understand their behaviors, their habits, all of the things that made life work for them. So that's why if I can get to know people earlier in the process and really understand how life works for them and works best for them, I can take this complicated math and it is quite frankly, complicated math. And I can make it much simpler for them because we can start to really zero in on exactly what they need. And that's, that's what we mean by handcrafted, right? The more that we know about you, we build it and dial it in for you. And that's, uh, I think the most complicated part for most people is because they have a hard time visualizing what they want and they don't have any tools to help them figure out that. So they just go, Oh, I just need this much money. They don't know. Uh, they're just guessing. So we help them figure out how to guess better. Sounds like a courtship almost that you're like, well, you know, 90 days isn't enough. I don't know them well enough. Well, I, I use I use a lot of dating analogies. I guess I wasn't very good at dating. I was fortunate enough that my wife uh, said yes uh, very quickly into the process. <laughs> it's it's not hard for me to make decisions <laughs> about things like that. Uh, but uh, the reality is it is. It's a relational, right? And the more that we know about one another and the more that we understand about how we communicate, um, and, and once again, I, I was blessed early on in my career, all these fancy schmancy companies paid a lot of money to send me to a lot of sophisticated training classes. And one of the most important training classes that I ever attended was understanding how people make decisions. And there's a lot of different research on this, but one thing that always stuck with me was just the fact that people learn in really three primary modes, right? Some of us are visual learners. Some of us are auditory, kind of like this podcast here, we can hear it. And then some of us are kinesthetic learners, which means that we have to write things or touch it, feel it, right? And so uh, the more I learn about people, we actually use aspects of all three of those different elements to help communicate well with our clients so that they can see it, hear it, and in some cases actually touch it or feel it or work through the process so that they can start to make decisions that make sense for them that they are then confident in right? Because those, that's the other word that we use a lot is that there's no like sure things here. We're not guaranteeing things. What we're trying to do is increase confidence and confidence. Once again, is one of those nasty mathematical concepts that we use. And so it might be an emotional word for some people, but it's actually a very mathematical word for me. And we're trying to increase confidence, which means we're trying to get the odds, the statistics in your favor. And if we can tip them in your favor and increase your confidence and the likelihood that you're going to get the outcome that you want, then we're going to have a much more enjoyable process during our retirement because we're not going to have some of the emotional roller coaster stressing that happens for some because we have a plan that we're confident in that's going to deliver the income that we need over the time horizon that we've developed. And when changes occur, and this is a huge part of what I learned early in my career, is the reason why I was able to advance pretty quickly in operations and manufacturing in is this idea of contingency planning. And all contingency planning is, is, okay, what am I going to do next when this doesn't work the way I expect it to work? And the reality is that that is what retirement planning is all about is because I can tell you one thing for certain is the plan that we developed today is not how your life is going to roll out, right? It's going to be different than that. So what you really need me for is to keep you uh, confident in your solution that I have to be a couple of steps ahead of you. 
So I'm actually constantly developing contingency plans for my clients that they don't even know that we're developing. Some of them we never have to implement, but that's the whole idea here is that we're constantly focused on what are the things that increase the odds, increase the confidence in the result that you're going to get. So what do you mean then when you say the plan that we have right now is not what's going to happen? Well, let's see. Uh, what are you planning on doing this afternoon, Wendy? Uh, because most likely, like yesterday, I thought I had a plan in place and I'm driving and all of a sudden someone pulled out in front of me. I had to slam on my brakes. Right. So I had to make a rapid adjustment. I had to change course very rapidly or I was going to hit them. Right. And the reality is that I did that because I was aware I was heads up. I was looking down the road. That's life, though. Right. Life is full of people darting out from the side or things unexpected. Um, you know, you'd asked me earlier how I was feeling. And I said, hey, I'm not feeling that great today because I had a medical procedure this morning, because one of the things I love to do is I love to be active. And right now I can't be very active because every time I walk very much, I have this intense pain that occurs in my foot. And so we're trying to figure it out. And so uh, I didn't anticipate that pain, but I've got to adapt to it. I've got to adjust to it. So what do we do? We diagnostics. We had, uh, uh, I didn't do an MRI, but I had x-ray, had ultrasound, all these things. And they found, hey, yeah, there's this bone spur. There's this uh, calcium deposit, right? So we got to take care of that. That wasn't expected. But if I want to get back to doing the things that I want to do for me, I want to be active. I want to be out walking with, with my wife. I want to go down, you know, and, and be able to go out and play 18 holes of golf and not be in pain. Well, if I don't adapt and change to the conditions that are presented to me, then I'm not going to get the outcome that I want. And retirement planning is exactly the same thing as we can't anticipate every single thing that's going to occur. But what we can do is know that things will occur. What I like to try to tell my clients is I don't know when the next COVID is going to be or what it's going to be. I don't know when we're going to have the next economic banking crisis like we had in 2008, 2009. I don't know when someone's going to fly an airplane into the towers like they did in 9-11. I mean, I can go back. I can talk about Black Tuesday in 1986. I can talk about elections. The reality is I don't know what any of those things are going to be in the future. I am not a, a prognosticator. I'm, I'm not clairvoyant. I can't see into the future. But what I do know is something's going to happen. I just don't know when and what. So I need to build enough capacity into my planning process so that when those unusual things occur, I'm not freaking out. I don't have to dramatically change my lifestyle in order to adapt to the world around me because I've developed a plan that gives me enough capacity, enough wiggle room to handle that. And so those are the things that we talk about a lot with our clients, because about this time, you know, it's election cycle right now. We get lots of questions on who, what, how, what's going to happen. And everybody gets nervous. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen. And the great thing is I don't need to know what's going to happen. What I need to know is where's my check coming from? How's it coming? Right. I need to have investments planned out for the next three to five years so that I don't have a lot of concern over the short term. So I know the short term is pretty much what I call in the barn already, and I can let the crops grow out in the field for longer down the road and, and harvest them when it's appropriate. And so that's a lot of our philosophy with our clients is helping them understand that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to know everything. All we need to do is get results that are consistent enough to deliver the results we need to live our confident retirement life. And, and that's 
the only way I know how to figure that out is to get to know people. I I don't think there are a lot of shortcuts in understanding what confident looks like for you until I know you well enough to understand how, uh, how that's going to roll. So what is it that brought you to being so passionate about this in particular? I think it was a lot of the experiences I had actually early in my manufacturing career. Um, there's a story in particular that I've, I've, I may have even shared before about, about a particular client. And I think that's what got me into the industry, but I just, people work hard and when they work hard and they, they do hard things and they accumulate this wealth there, you know, we used to have this view, I think of retirement as what I called sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair and kind of enjoying our golden years. I don't think that's what most people actually think their golden years look like anymore. But what I, the more that I got to know people and, and one of my closest friends used to laugh because I am very mathematically oriented. He goes, man, you don't have much of a heart. He goes, I'm going to call you the tin man. And then I said, no, it's not that I don't have a heart. I do have a lot of empathy for people, but I also understand the math of the situation very well. And so as I was seeing people not good, get good outcomes because they weren't applying consistently good quite frankly, mathematical principles to their life. I'm like, we can fix that. Right. And so I was able to do a speaking engagement for a large nonprofit. And I literally spoke to about 8,000 people over the course of a month. Um, And what we saw was a transformation in their behaviors. And that was really kind of the genesis for me of saying, I've got to find a platform to get this knowledge out to more people so that more people can be consistently doing the right things because if they do the right things over time, those good habits are going to lead to good results. And, and that's really what got me passionate about it was just seeing good, hardworking people not get the results that they wanted. Um, not because they weren't capable of it, because nobody took the time to what I call show them how to do it right. I don't know how else to explain it is sometimes you just got to have somebody that's willing to hold your hand and walk with you through something. And uh, I think that's where where we stand, we stand, uh, you know, side by side with our clients, uh, not, not trying to be like all knowing or all powerful or anything goofy like that, but just someone that's there to try to hold their hand and walk alongside them to help them get to where they're trying to go. Yeah. You make it sound easy when you say, you know, well, we can fix that. I mean, we were talking about money and spending and, you know, people have bad habits. <laughs> yeah, but we can fix that. So the first can thing we? is we, we do, we got to know where we're at. Right. So the first thing that we do in our process is pretty simple is that we, we really try to take a snapshot of where our clients are and, and, and not, uh, one of the huge things that I try to uh, really emphasize is that we try to remove all judgment right? It's a judgment-free zone. I don't know if you've ever heard of the planet fitness, but they have their sign is it's a judgment-free zone. And I think that's really important, whether it's your health, financial, your physical, your mental health, all of these things is we have these stigmas, we have these stereotypes, or we have these limiting beliefs that say that, oh, I can't accomplish this. That can never happen for me. Uh, all of these things that stop us before we start. And, and that is, uh, I think, one of the great things about sports for me is that I was just blessed with great coaches. And they just encourage me all the time to try things and to be willing to not worry so much about the outcome, but focus on how do we get better? And the way we get better is by practicing, by taking steps and moving forward. And that's a really part of why we like to engage with people about five years before they think they're going to retire. Because 
if we don't get to know you and start working with you and practicing with you, there's no way that we're going to be able to have confidence that you're going to be able to execute this when it's game time, right? When it's time to, when it's time to really light it up. So I, I know sometimes it can be overwhelming and you see these ads on TV sometimes, and, and, and I'm not against some of these companies, but if I see that one more orange money thing where there's a big giant number hanging out there or this little green line with big numbers on it. Yeah. Some of the numbers do need to be big. The reason why they need to be big is because those people have big incomes and those people have big expenses, but the number really needs to be your number and it needs to be dialed into what's important to you and your life. I think I've said before, you know, probably the richest person I've ever known is my grandmother and my grandmother uh, could no longer drive herself anywhere since 1966 and she lived to 2013. Um, that was the year my grandfather passed away. Um, it was in a car accident, so she never drove again after that day. And so she was on essentially government assistance because he was a, a veteran. And so she lived um, in a rural part of Arkansas on, on government funding, essentially from his pension and everything for what was that almost 50 years. And I got $20 on my birthday every year. And there was never a plate passed at church that she didn't have money to put in it. Right. Always food on her table always room for people that needed help. She had a big giving, caring heart. And so my point to that is, is that you couldn't have told me that she wasn't the richest person that I know. And her life was amazing. And the impact of her life will be felt for generations. And so sometimes it's helping our clients reframe what is important to them so that they can really start to understand do they have the resources necessary to do the most important things in their life? And if they do, great. Now let's keep them aligned to that, right? So, um, you know, we talk a lot about decision-making in our business and how to help people do that. And, and one of the things that I, my wife gets mad at me all the time is, is she's like, well, you know, you always seem to have capacity. And I said, well, I have capacity because I say no to a lot of things. And the reason why I say no to a lot of things is because they're not lined up with the things that are the most important to me. And I don't remember who taught me that, but I just know that sometimes something looks really cool. Oh, that would be super exciting. And then I think about it. I'm like, mm, no, it's really not in line with the things that I care most about. So I got to say no to it. Same thing. You mentioned spending and budgeting. Same thing, right? Is like, if we don't understand what's really the most important to us, then we're not giving our resources, the things that we have to the most valuable things in our life. And I haven't met anyone that I've ever talked to that ultimately it wasn't some relationship in their life that drove their decision-making. And so once we understand the most important relationships, then we can really start to figure out how to align the resources to accomplish what you want. I have a feeling that you would tell me that my uh, designer handbag is should not be a priority in my life. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not going to judge your designer handbag. <laughs> and so uh, I've, I've talked to people that have said, oh, should I be guilty about buying a boat? And I was like, did you have the money to buy the boat? And did you take the money to buy the boat from something else that was of a higher priority to you? And what are you going to do with the boat? And in all seriousness, we went through that and the boat was actually a conduit, a vehicle, not just in the water, but for family activity with their grandchildren. 
And so I said, so what you're telling me is one of the highest value priorities that you have in your life, which is family, right? And so you're utilizing the wealth, the resources that you have in something that someone else might judge, right, as unimportant. It's super important to you because you have difficulty getting your grandkids uh, in an environment where you can spend consistent time with them, but they'll come to the lake and ride the boat. And that's why you're doing it. So for you, the boat is a great investment in the things that are most important to you. And so back to, I don't know the story of your handbag, but if you were coming to me and saying, Hey, if the answer is, Hey, uh, I would like to retire in five years and I need to save this much money to get there. And we've put that plan together. If the handbag was taking away from that, then I would probably say, Hey, maybe you should pass on the handbag. But if you were doing your priorities and funding them first and putting your most important resources to, into action prior to, and you had some leftovers, and in the leftovers, that handbag gave you a high, high value. Like, it, and I can't explain this for some people. Uh, some, like some, for me, this is going to sound goofy. I love shoes, mm. right? My wife is always getting on to me. She's like, you got so many shoes. I love shoes. And so the answer is sometimes shoes just make me happy. And uh, a good pair of shoes, especially if I'm getting ready to start some kind of a new physical challenge, like a workout is like my thing that starts me down my path. If I don't go to the store and get the new shoes, then I don't start running. But when I do that, it all kind of fits together. So once again, I think from the outside, if we let other people judge our decision-making and they don't know our priorities, they have no idea if that handbag was good or bad one. I don't know. Right. But I, I know that if it gave you a lot of self-satisfaction and it was the leftovers, not the first fruits of what you were trying to do, then I got no problem with a handbag. Or I can just relate it back to um, it helps me spend time with family somehow. <laughs> Well, you could have gone shopping with someone that's very important to you and uh, purchasing that handbag gave you a lot of satisfaction. And that's what I said. It's really hard for some people to explain their decisions sometimes. And that's what we're trying to get away from. And why we say judgment-free zone, right? Is I'm not here to, I'm trying to here to help, right? And, and the only way I can help is if you don't view me as someone who's going to be critical of your choices. What you're here for is to get my advice and my input. Doesn't mean you always have to take it, um, but it, it's what we're here to do. I'm going to have to um, explain everything that you just said to my husband. Um, okay, moving on. Are you an independent financial advisor or do you work with a brokerage firm? Well, that's a really good question uh, that I like to try to explain some of those words to people to start with, right? So um, I am a, an advisor. I'm a certified financial planner, and we utilize an independent clearing firm for to be the custodian or the record keeper of, of the accounts that we manage for our clients. So we utilize uh, LPL Financial, which is the largest independent clearing firm in the United States. That's who we use as our back office. Um, and, and we're proud of that because they give us a lot of resources. They're, they're really excellent business partner to have. Um, and so sometimes you use the word broker. Sometimes there's transactions that you need to, quite frankly, just enter into and execute the transaction. That is a brokered transaction. There's going to be some kind of a commission generated during that transaction. And we disclose that if that's what's best for our clients. Because we are financial advisors and I'm a certified financial planner, 
means that I have certain standards of care that I have for my clients. So um, I never want to enter into a transaction that we're going to be compensated on when my clients don't understand how it works. Okay. But when we give advice and we give ongoing advice, typically those fees associated with the advice are also tied to the assets that we manage, not always, but frequently. And so then therefore we would enter into an advisory agreement with that client. And that's how we would get compensated is we would be receiving a fee for ongoing advice. Very interesting. Now I got to tell you, um, you have just, you know, talked ourselves right out of time. <laughs> <laughs> So surprising because you're usually so shy and quiet. <laughs> I'm so introverted, Wendy. You know that I sit at home and I read the paper every day. No, I don't. I, I really do like to read, and uh, but I don't like sitting. <laughs> I like to no. be walking. Do you do uh, reading a book on the treadmill? I used to do that. It was yeah. actually uh, uh, for a while. There was kind of what I call a stacking process that I was trying to do. I was trying to take habits that I was trying to develop. And when I had a habit already set, I was trying to add a new habit um, that I was struggling with at the same time to try to develop that habit. Um, and so I was, uh, for a long time, I didn't really enjoy reading what I call industry oriented publications related to the structure of our business. And so I realized that I needed to get my, my knowledge up. So that's when I would read those articles is when I was on the ellipse machine, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I've done that as well, but my usually just read for pleasure. <laughs> I don't do a lot of reading for pleasure. Um, I do watch a lot of movies. Uh, my wife and I this year got the Regal Movie Pass, which uh, means that for 18 whopping dollars a month, we get to go to unlimited movies. So I have seen 27 movies this year. Wow. Well, you're going to have to give me a review of all of those. I would like them to be in a report for the next time that I see you. I'll do my best. Uh, writing is also not my expertise. So it might have to be an oral, uh, oral uh, review of all the 27 movies. That was actually 27 movies. I've seen a couple of movies two and three times. So sounds good. All right. So Brett, how can people get in touch with you? Well, the best way is still to visit our website, artisanwealthstrategies.com. I know that's a lot. It's a mouthful, but that's the best way. Or you can just email me directly at brett at artisanwealthstrategies.com. And those are the fastest ways to get to me so that we can uh, connect and, uh, like I said, get to know each other. All right. Thank you, Brett. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share Handcrafting Your Retirement with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.